0: Think it's a good transition into uh our speaker i don't know if you all met her i'm rather fond of her myself um member of this church for many years um I'll hand the pulpit over to my wife amanda Lee. Thank
1: you, thank you. i love that reading cherish your doubts i love that statement and i bet lots of you out there do too As Unitarian Universalists, we like to say that we are bound by a covenant, not by a creed. We're proud of our lack of dogma. Our fourth principle says that we covenant to affirm and promote a free and responsible search for truth and meaning. As you use, we don't believe that truth is frozen, that truth is handed down. We believe that each of us has a responsibility to search for that truth ourselves. We don't like rules, and we don't want a church that makes us follow them. This rule-breaking is a theme throughout the history of our faith and the history of our country. As we approach Independence Day, it's important to remember that the founders of Unitarian Universalism had a lot in common with the founders of this country, and rule-breaking is one of those commonalities. I'd like this morning to remind you of a few of those parts of those histories no, and okay, encourage... Hold, on, hold, on.
0: hold on. What? That's a gross misrepresentation of our family. What? They weren't just a bunch of... Peteonistic rule breakers. They they were George Washington was a military officer well God.
1: They started a revolution. How much more rule breaking do you want to be than yeah, a revolution? For economic
0: reasons. Uh, all the freedom talk had more to do with taxation without representation than all men are and equal. They didn't start some egalitarian hippie commune once they won the war. They immediately set up their own system of rules to enforce their own power.
1: Okay, but that own system of rules, they were not bound by those rules and they were not rigid because the first set of rules they had didn't work. And they broke them and threw them out and started over.
0: Okay, granted, but they did that through an organized system. They sent letters, they ground rules, they voted. It was cooperative, they weren't anarchists. Many of them get, didn't get their way, but still conceded to the will of the group. You can't accomplish anything without agreement to follow the rules.
1: Is this about your favorite seat on the couch? Because I was kidding when I said I was going to start sitting. No,
0: I'm just saying some rules need to be followed. You can't just tell people about the world and break all the rules. I'm
1: sorry, whose service is this? The worship
0: committee asked us both to do it. I chose at least half of those readings.
1: So we can't just sit here and bicker. If people wanted to see us sit here and bicker, they would just come to the
0: house. Okay, let's debate it.
1: Isn't that what we're doing?
0: No, like, like officially, like those really expensive pants that we've around
1: the world Ooh, I like it. So like we each get to make our arguments and then questions and then more speeches?
0: Yeah, right.
1: Ah, how do we want to structure this?
0: Oh, you, you mean what system of rules do we want to use as a decision? We haven't
1: started yet. I'm not interested in this. What's our format?
0: I don't know. Uh, You're the one who did debate in high school. I just argue with abortion protesters.
1: Okay, let's do this. Let's each have a constructive speech, four minutes long, and then we'll have a minute for cross-examination and then a two-minute rebuttal. each. How's that sound? All right, it's going to be easy for
0: me to hold the four minutes but I'll try.
1: Well, I wouldn't want you to break the rules, but who decides who wins? I
0: don't know. Them?
1: Are we going to ask a bunch of UUs to decide between A and B? They're all going to choose C. I think they both made some really good points.
0: That's a pretty valid point, You'd just to explain it, it would probably be an interpretive
1: dance. Alright, let's just have the debate and see where it takes us. Ah,
0: fair enough. You're already up here, you go.
1: All right. Okay, where was I? The history of Unitarian Universalism and the history of our country are the histories of rules that were broken because they needed to be broken. The Unitarians were named for their belief in just one God. Unitarians believed in one God. They rejected the Trinitarian view, that Jesus was divine and was part of God along with the Holy Spirit. But even more than rejecting that idea, they rejected the result of the Council of Nicaea, which required you be a Trinitarian in order to be a Christian. The Council of Nicaea declared that Trinitarian view was orthodox and everything else was heresy. When the choice was between, between following the rules and breaking the rules, the early Unitarians chose heresy. They stuck with that choice, even when it wasn't easy. Michael Servetus was burned at the stake for his Unitarian views. He refused to follow John Calvin's edicts, and he died for it. The history of the Universalist movement doesn't have a moment that's quite that dramatic. It developed several places in America independently where people looked at the concept of hell, of, eternal dam- of torment-, torment and damnation, and just didn't buy it. How could an all-loving God not be an all-forgiving God? Orthodox belief demanded everlasting suffering, but the Universalists rejected that dogma. They rejected that rule. Their dislike for rules extended to their engagement with the rules around them, the world around them. They believed in things like the abolishment of slavery, they believed in women's rights. They were among the first denomination to ordain women. So, then, how did the Unitarians and the Universalists become one church? The theologies don't actually overlap all that much. Rejection of the trinity and universal salvation aren't necessarily related ideas. I say the overlap was the heresy. The overlap was looking at the dogma of the church and saying, no, we don't believe it. We're not following those rules. Also, both groups looked at the injustice in the world and wanted to change those injustices. These two heretical, rule-breaking groups of people are our religious ancestors, and the modern UU church follows in that tradition. In December of last year, a single mother of three named Rosa Gutierrez Lopez was threatened with deportation. She was in violation of immigration laws. But Cedar Lane Unitarian Universalist Church in Bethesda, Maryland said those laws were immoral and offered her sanctuary in their building. The rule was wrong, so they broke it. Heretics and rule breakers are in our history as Americans, too. The founding fathers of this country were rule breakers. They rebelled against the king and against Great Britain. And you're right, part of that rebellion was based on economics, but what is taxation but a rule? Once they'd won their independence, they set up a government, but a government full of checks and balances to keep too much power from falling into any one branch. And the Bill of Rights and the other amendments might be rules, but they're rules that limit how much control the government has over its people, not what the people can do. The heroes of the Civil Rights Movement were rule-breakers. After the Emancipation Proclamation, where. Abraham Lincoln, from our first reading today, broke a big old rule. Mm Mm-hmm. At the passage of the 13th to the 15th Amendments, the oppression of black Americans continued with the Jim Crow laws of the South, which codified separate schools, lunch counters, and water fountains for blacks and whites. These laws were given support by one of the worst Supreme Court decisions ever, Plessy versus Ferguson. That story started in 1890 in our very own state of Louisiana. The state legislature passed the Separate Cars Act, which required establishments that housed and transported people to have separate facilities for separate races. A man named Homer Plessy was one-eighth black and bought a ticket on the white train car. He broke that rule. He was arrested. That case made it all the way to the Supreme Court, which officially established the separate but equal justification for segregation. Those laws existed for decades until heroes like Martin Luther King Jr. and Rosa Parks and James Reeve broke the rules as they tried to break the structural forces of inequality. If they'd followed the rules, we'd still be where we were. Musicians like Sam Cooke could still be turned away from hotels. I could go on and on with stories of rule breakers who made the world a better place. Abraham Martin and John are just a few of them. Women couldn't vote. That was a rule. Susan B. Anthony broke that rule and went to jail for it. Hell, women weren't supposed to wear pants. Heroes of the women's suffrage movement broke those rules to gain equality for women. I suppose you'd like to go back to those rules? Require me to get your signature before I can buy a car or get a credit card? And what about Stonewall? That sure as hell wasn't about following the rules. When your oldest daughter was born, her marriage to her wife, Annie, was against the law. I think we can all agree that was a terrible rule, and the world is better for it being gone. As our responsive reading said, doubt is the touchstone of truth. It is an acid which eats away the false. We have to question the rules, and when we find rules that are false, we break them. That's what we've done as Americans, as you use, and as fighters of oppression. And if you agree that breaking rules is not only right, but sometimes necessary, you'll vote for me to win this debate. I'm now open for cross-examination. All
0: right, first question. Are you stating that heresy and rule-breaking are synonymous?
1: I mean, heresy is the opposite of orthodoxy. Orthodoxy is right-thinking, orthodoxy is rules. Yeah, they're synonymous.
0: The exact same thing.
1: Okay, they're not the exact same thing. That's why they're different words, but they're synonymous.
0: That's synonyms. Anyway, hold uh, on Do you believe that rule breaking is itself inherently noble?
1: I think in the cases that I listed, it's unquestionably noble.
0: So it's conditional?
1: I mean, what's not conditional?
0: Okay. Well, so not inherent.
1: Okay, fine. But the examples that I gave of rule-breaking are examples where breaking of rules is our history and made the world a better place.
0: What distinguishes between positive rule-breaking and negative rule-breaking?
1: The outcome. Whether or not the rule needs to be broken.
0: Then how do you know beforehand whether that's break the rule?
1: I, I know it when I see it. Uh,
0: all right. Final question. Is your class don't you have rules?
1: Um, yes. And they're good rules. So they shouldn't be broken. I think our time is up. <laughs>
0: It has rules. You timing? Because I'm fairly certain you went over.
1: I broke a rule?
0: Yes. Okay. It is true that we as a denomination have a history of challenging the status quo. The two words that make up the name of our denomination are themselves indicative of our non-standard approaches to faith. Unitarians didn't believe in in the Trinity, Universalists didn't believe in damnation and hell. These beliefs are not the standard perspectives of their times and aren't even mainstream now. We define ourselves by our willingness to take a different view. We don't like the word rules, but the fact that these two denominations came together is an example of the importance of rules. It's naive to believe the two completely separate denominations fused into one without extensive negotiations. These negotiations required establishing ground rules. The overtures between the two denominations began all the way back in the early 20th century. There wasn't a full official merger until 1961, and that's after the process was begun in 1959. These things and disagreements needed to be hammered out. A process was established to work through that. That process led to the creation of the UUA we are part of now based on rules we as a denomination do have rules you can't just stand up and call yourself a uu minister there are criteria that you have to meet there are enforcement bodies you can be kicked out of the uua it has happened it's happened here um, <clears throat> and it, we, our entire denomination is based on a covenant A covenant is an agreement an agreement to abide by our principles It is expected that you adhere to that agreement. We don't like to call them rules, but functionally, that's what they are. Similarly, our founding fathers were not anarchists. They held a constitutional Congress. They sent delegates and agreed upon number of delegates. They formed an entire army that had a command structure. Orders were given. Those who broke them were punished. George Washington, the great revolutionary himself, ordered the execution of a man who deserted his post in the face of the enemy and tried to shoot at an officer who upbraided him. The first use of military power in US history was to put down the Whiskey Rebellion, which was an uprising of people in Appalachia who didn't wanna pay their taxes on liquor. These heretics were all about enforcing rules as long as they were the ones who wrote them. Rule breaking is not an inherently noble action. The responsive reading from before the offering, the one entitled The Idea of Democracy, was adapted from a speech by Abraham Lincoln. Lincoln was a man who changed the very fabric of America and led us through one of the greatest crises in our history. He believed the South needed to learn that they couldn't just do what they wanted because they wanted to. The South felt they had the right to leave the Union if they didn't like the way they were being treated by the federal government. Lincoln disagreed and fielded an army to settle the matter. In this, he was attempting to preserve the Union, to maintain the status quo. In short, he was enforcing the rules. Rules do far more in our society to protect us than to hinder us. As with any form of representative government, all minorities in this country are in danger of having their rights superseded by the will of the majority. Whether that be racial minorities, religious minorities, or political minorities. What prevents that from happening? The rules that were set down in our Constitution. All the gains of social justice that our country has seen in the last half century have all been because of the writing and enforcing of rules that say that you cannot discriminate against someone because of their religion, their race, or their national origin. You don't hear a lot of UUs complaining about those rules. We love those rules. We fight for those rules. We think there should be more rules to protect more people. We don't hate rules. We just believe, much like the founding fathers, that many of the rules are wrong and need to be changed. Once rules are based on what we see as justice and equality, we're all about enforcing those rules. Just like the the people who founded our country didn't hesitate to enforce the rules they set down themselves based on a system they felt better represented the rights of the people they represented. It's not rules that we oppose. It's injustice. When brought into line with a sense of justice, rules are the greatest weapon we have to defend those who are most vulnerable. I'm now open to cross
1: Okay, so do you believe the Jim Crow laws would have been changed if they hadn't been challenged by rule-breakers?
0: No. Power never concedes anything with a request.
1: Okay, so the, the rule-breakers were necessary, the rule-breaking was necessary to get those just laws into place?
0: In that circumstance, yes.
1: All right. Second question. Would you report a neighbor to ICE if they were here illegally?
0: No, but there's also no rule that requires me to do so. But if there were...
1: Okay, what? Last question. If you're a veteran, and the military is all about rules. If you have been ordered to drop bombs on civilian targets, would you have followed that rule?
0: Actually, no, because those rules are superseded by the Geneva Convention, which is an agreed-upon international set of rules that state, I didn't have to follow those rules if they violated it, and by signing the Geneva Conventions, that became federal law. Huh. Well, that's <laughs> okay,
1: um, the questions? <laughs> okay, listen, I'm not arguing for complete anarchy here. As a teacher, as a mother, and as a person who basically believes that democracy is the least bad of all of the systems of government, I obviously value some structure and some rules. Rules do us allow to live in a community together. I'm not tossing out my classroom rules. I'm not saying rules should be broken just for the sake of breaking them. As unwieldy as they sometimes are, our church bylaws and the denomination structure are needed for us to work together, and we make progress when we work together. And I'll certainly fight to keep laws that protect people and vote for candidates who will promote more of them. But you started that Frederick Douglass quote, power concedes nothing without a demand. It never did, and it never will. Those great laws that you talk about that now protect minority rights? Why do those laws exist? It's not because someone in power woke up one day and said, hey, I'm not sure me having all of this power is entirely fair. It's because rule breakers took a stand against injustice. Sometimes rules get written and laws get passed that aren't fair and aren't right. I do believe we have a moral obligation to break those rules. Homer Plessy broke rules. Susan B. Anthony broke rules. Rosa Parks broke rules. They broke unjust rules. And as a result of their actions, eventually unjust rules were replaced with better ones. But that process isn't over. The good laws that exist are under attack, and bad laws and rules can still be passed today. We need to remain vigilant and prepared to take action when we have to. Our history shows us that while the moral arc of the universe may bend toward justice, it bends slowly and sometimes we have to kick it in the right direction who was it who gave a great sermon about that last summer Uh uh-huh
0: all right it's obvious that there are many examples of those who have bent the arc of history towards justice by breaking rules but we could comb the history books for just as many examples her times when the breaking of the rules pulled it in exactly the opposite direction. Following or breaking a rule is an action that, in and of itself, does not have moral value. The example given by my lovely wife in her constructive speech demonstrates this. The woman who took refuge in the church, Rosa Lopez, why was she safe in that church? Because there was a rule that stated she could not be deported there. She could take sanctuary. They couldn't break in and take her. They agreed upon that. Would we be so quick to praise ICE agents who ignored that rule, took her into custody anyway, in order to enforce what they believe to be a greater good? No, There's an, that's an example of breaking a rule that does not bend the arc of history towards justice. So we have to admit that a heart of our denomination isn't just breaking rules. We're not going to line up behind states rights crowd who praise the South for breaking away from the union on principle. We're solidly for the rule enforcer in that scenario. I think it's obvious that we don't actually hate rules. We hate unjust rules. This leads to the first question I asked during cross ex Are heresy and rule breaking synonymous? Amanda rather deftly evaded uh, giving a truly direct answer to that, but it's a very important distinction within it. The two are not synonymous. Heresy is about belief. Rule breaking is about action. It is the heresy that gives our denomination's history of resistance its value, just as it was the heresy of self-determination that gave significance to the rebellion of the founders of this country. Without the foundation of belief, rule-breaking and resistance are just acts of anarchy, an attempt to throw a wrench into the gears of society to make it work for the collective good. We rightfully hold it the examples of James Reed, who paid for his heresy with his life, but must remember that it was the justness of his cause that gave it its value, not just his courage in defying the status quo. If we don't keep this distinction close, we risk identifying ourselves, both as UUs and Americans, by a simple defiance instead of our ideals. That's all I have. Pretty good, huh?
1: Yes, yes, you're very clever. Where did we end up?
0: I don't know. Kind of good, kind of (laughs) bad.
1: Sounds like a UU resolution to a debate. Yes, uh, somewhere in the middle. Who could have seen that coming? Although my faith in vigorous, honest debate is justified... When you make your case and back up your points with reason and evidence and listen critically to the other side, you really can learn things and make progress. That's
0: true, and I would like to point out that we learned this without spending thousands of dollars and several weeks on a college campus, unlike some teenagers that are not here. Okay, that's
1: a fair point. But coming back to the point of the service, we agree the act of rule-breaking is necessary in order to highlight and resist injustice, but without a guiding principle, rule-breaking is just obstructionism with no inherent value?
0: Yeah, break the bad rules, follow the good rules.
1: All right. And use some sort of principle beyond self-interest to decide which rules are good and which rules are bad. I guess you could just go ahead and use the seven principles of the Unitarian Universalist Association. So cheesy. Okay, that's a little cheesy. But you knew who you were getting when you married me. (coughs) And I knew I was getting a guy who couldn't sit still and listen to me give a sermon he disagreed with. But all in all, I think it worked out for the best.